You know, it is a rare and beautiful thing when a pastor and his wife lead a church for over 25 years. Vicki and I, as I already mentioned, celebrated 25 years at Ash Grove Assembly just <clears throat> a couple of months before we were chosen to serve in this, lead, this role as, as district superintendent. When you stay for 25 years in one place as pastor, there are some beautiful years, and then there are some years. <laughs> and they have walked through both of those. And what a beautiful testimony today. I love it when I see staff that has moved on because of the fact that you have been ascending church for all these years. And that's what the heart of Pastor Charlie has been. And, and we are just, I'll tell you, the, the honor that you're showing them today, which is well, well placed and rightly so. Job well done, congregation. Job well done, Pastor and Charlie Pastor Charlie and Lil, for your amazing, amazing ministry. Can you show appreciation to them one more time? You know, it was uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit unnerving when I came in as superintendent because I had pastored in a rural community and I knew that there were pastors that I would be leading that had pastored churches much larger than I had and had been in ministry in various avenues. And I, I've always appreciated the fact that the, from the very beginning, Pastor Charlie has shown me respect as his pastor. And it's been a joy to lead and to walk. And I tell you, I, I want to say this, and we're going to get right into the word. But, um, you know, I think that probably the last 18 to 24 months have been some of the hardest month times for a pastor to lead in the midst of the crisis and the pandemic that we have been in. And I'm gonna tell you, your pastor has been on it from the get-go. He has done his very best to, to lead you safely, faithfully. He has done a fabulous job. Thank you so much for all your ministry. You know, I, was, I had a flashback this morning as I was getting ready to come up here to preach because I preach in a different church pretty well every week. Uh, I, was, I was in a rural community last night for a dedication of a building. And so we're, we travel a lot, and, uh, but sometimes I walk into a situation like this, never had the privilege of preaching an evangel temple before. And then I look up and who sits down beside me but the former general superintendent, Thomas Trask, and it re I had this flashback when I was a young man. I was between my junior year and senior year in high school, and I won this all-expense-paid trip to Washington, D.C. It was an amazing thing. But as I was reading through all the material, I was raised in rural Missouri, and, and I was reading through, and it said we were going to have formal banquets. It's like, oh, man, I don't know. What am I going to do? And I, I talked to one of my older brothers who seemed to be more cultured than I was, and he had traveled much more of a, a traveler than I was. And I said, Lonnie, what am I going to do in this formal banquet? He said, here's what you do. He said, when you sit down, he said, there's going to be this plate, and there's going to be a lot of different flatware there, silverware around. And, and he said, what you do is look around and see what others are doing, and then grab something and get the food to your mouth. That's just... <laughs> And it put me at ease. And, and I'm at ease today. I'm among distinguished individuals in an amazing congregation. But I feel that God has brought me here today to speak a word in your heart. So I'm not going to be intimidated at all. I'm going to speak in confidence, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Can you say amen to that? I know Pastor Charlie well enough to know that his heart's desire has been to see this city and world radically affected by the ministry of this church. And not, today doesn't change that. 
where it's good to celebrate wins, and then it's back to kingdom work, right, Pastor Charlie? Today, I want to center in on a mandate to this church to impact your city, because I know that that's Charlie's heart, that's God's heart, is for this church to impact your city. I, I love to preach messages of encouragement to individuals and churches. Today, today's encouragement might fit more in the challenge category. How many of you are ready to hear a message that challenges you today? Good, for all six of you, I really appreciate that. <laughs> just joking. Challenge to be effective must lead to change. You see, if, 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 you, if you're just challenged today and you don't accept the challenge to change, I, I've really failed to accomplish the purpose for being here today. I'll be sharing from scripture from various places in the word today, but I want to springboard off a verse in the Old Testament. And what is happening is King Saul has been killed in, in war it is a very tough time on the nation of Israel. They, they feel leaderless because suddenly their leader has been stripped from them. In the midst of that, God is raising up King David to be the king of Israel. And, and in the midst of this, David is at Hebron and, and the tribes, as he served there, now the tribes are coming to lift David up to place of leadership over all of Israel. And, and as they come to him, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, it 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 chronicles them coming and talking or bringing David up. And, and these verses are read. These are the numbers of men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. And it begins to list the tribes. And then it lists one specific tribe from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Of all the people that surrounded David, there were no more important men than these who came around him as advisors, as men of wisdom who could see ahead, could see and understand the culture that they were living in and say, David, this is what I believe that we should do. We've walked into a place and a season in our nation that we've never been before. And I'm not just speaking of COVID. It began long before COVID even hit. I dare say that we have never experienced a time in our history when there has been more adverse reaction to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God than right now. Just a couple of years ago, it seemed like a switch flipped. I, no doubt you sensed it and realized it. Up until that time, it seemed that Christianity and Judeo-Christian values were fairly well tolerated, if not celebrated. But then something changed, and there was this shift in our culture, and suddenly it became very unpopular to hold the Christian views. In Romans 1, Paul speaks of the fallen sickness of mankind. And as you read that passage, you would think he was writing specifically about today. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossip, slanderers, haters of God. It goes on and on. But in this passage, Paul describes the root of the problem. The real problem is that mankind refused to retain the knowledge of God. This is what Paul says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because they refused to retain the knowledge of God, they began to do unthinkable sinful acts. In some ways, I believe that we as a nation 
are reaping our failure to retain the knowledge of God. But hear me, this is not a message of doom and gloom. We know how this thing turns out, and we win. Can you say amen to that? I know that the Bible speaks of a great falling away in the last days, but it also speaks of great revival. And I'm going to hold on to that because I believe God is getting ready to move in a powerful way across our nation and across our world. This is not the time for the church to give up on impacting its world. We can make a difference. If the apostles Paul could live, Apostle Paul could live for Christ and impact their, his world, we can too. There's a story, there was a minister by the name of Andy Stanley that was sharing that one time he had the opportunity of going to Rome, and, and there in Rome, he got to go to the Colosseum. The Colosseum is a well-known landmark, but what many people might not realize today is that in the Colosseum, some horrendous things happened. What would happen is, first of all, the unemployment rate was very, very high, and so there were a lot of people out of jobs, and in order to entertain the common folk, they would bring large groups of people into the Colosseum, and because there was such a, a staunch adversity to Christianity, they would bring Christians in, and if they would not refute or renounce their faith, they would have them killed, publicly executed in front of people as they cheered. And it was in this place that the emperor would come into, and he would often come and sit and watch and, and really give his blessing to what was going on. And Andy Stanley said he was walking in through the emperor's entrance that day into the Colosseum as he was on the tour, and he looked up and he stopped and he paused and there was a cross in the emperor's entrance. And he was a little astounded. He was overwhelmed with it. And the tour guide said, what's, what's going on? He said, there's, there's a cross in the emperor's entrance. And she said, well, yes, you know, so-and-so, you know, Pope so-and-so dedicated this to the Lord. And in memory of those that lost it. No, 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 no. You, you don't understand. There is a cross in the emperor's entrance. How could they, those, those who had given their lives could have ever realized that there would be a day that there would be a cross, crosses not only all over Rome, but all over this world. And they wouldn't just represent people who had lost their lives. They would be representing the one who gave his life for us so that we could have life. And how could they have ever realized nearly 2,000 years ago that there would be a place, a nation on the other side of the world where they would name their children John and James and Mary and they would name their dogs Caesar and Nero. <laughs> I shared that illustration in one service and I noticed a guy in fr on the front row getting really disgruntled. Found out his name was Caesar. <clears throat> message this morning. I want to share with you some thoughts on how the church must impact this world. We, we have our, cut worked out, our work cut out for us. If you, if you just look at southern Missouri and, and that land mass that I, that I represent, that I oversee, there's some 4.5 million people in that land mass taking in lion's share of Kansas City and St. Louis. But along the same line, only 3.4 million of them are not part of a faith body. And if they're not part of a faith body, they're probably not connected with the Savior. And if they're not connected with the Savior, their eternal destiny is very grim. And it is part of our responsibility to help to depopulate the future of hell. We've got to do something. We've been called to be salt and light. Many of you heard of a minister by the name of 
Tommy Barnett, and it's said that years ago, Tommy, Tommy shares a story. He was, the church was running about 12, 14,000 in, in Phoenix, and a lady walked up to him, and she said, Brother Barnett, I just believe the church is big enough. He said, whoa, really? She said, yes, I, you know, we've grown, and everything's great, and, and I believe the church is big enough. And it was about six months later that she walked up to him, and she's got tears in her eyes. Brother Barnett, would you please help me pray? She said, my son is getting ready to move to Phoenix, and he needs Jesus. Would you pray that he'd come to church here with me and get saved? And Brother Barnett looked at her and said, the church is big enough. You see, this church is not big enough. Thank God for your growth. Thank God for this beautiful building. Thank God for all that you're doing. But this church is not big enough till everyone within 20 minutes driving distance have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, have accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior, and are attending a Bible-believing church. Until then, this church is not big enough. So what do we have to do to impact our community? And I, I'm going to try, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be brief today, but I'm going to try to be concise. And if any of you get really famished, understand we can bring food to your table because we're getting ready to eat right after this. So it'll be okay. Number one, be people of the word and the spirit. Only one thing is powerful enough to change this world. The power of the word of God. We cannot get away from the word. We must proclaim it. We must read it. We must obey it. I'm thankful for the new emphasis in our fellowship and the Bible engagement, bringing people back to not only reading, but studying and applying the word of God. I am thankful that the word of God is so powerful. How many have seen the power of the word of God? Yes. But we must also be people of the Spirit. This is a Pentecostal church. Exactly what does that mean? We as Pentecostals believe that just as the apostles were baptized in the Holy Spirit on Acts, in Acts 2, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in a language not known to them, we believe that God is still doing that today, that he is still baptizing believers in the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to give you the ability to speak in an unknown language. It is give, to give you power to witness. The scripture says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The reason that some of the younger generation moved away from emphasizing the Holy Spirit was because they got saw abuses. There were those who manifested spiritual gifts and felt they were answerable to no one. There were things that occurred and that, that the Holy Spirit got blamed for that he never did. Hello? But I believe that as leadership stewards the move of God's Spirit, there's going to be a fresh wind of God's Spirit that's going to move upon this world. And it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to help us to be the witnesses that we need to be to change our world for Jesus Christ. We must be people of the Word and Spirit. <clears throat> but we must also be people willing to change. Now bear with me here. Paul was talking 
in 1 Corinthians, and he begins to talk to the Jews, I became like a Jew. To, the, to those that were Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. To those that were slaves, like one that is slave, like a free man to a free man. What do you think? I became, it wasn't that he was a chameleon. He said, I became what I needed to be. I ministered to those that I was ministering to in such a way that they could receive the message that I was sharing. There are a number of churches across our nation and across our district, district that are dwindling. And part of the reason is because the people, it's not that they don't love Jesus, it's because they've not been willing to change. Here's a dilemma that we face. Culture changes about every two to three years. Some churches don't change but about every 30 to 40. Now I'm not speaking of changing the message, but the method. Nor am I talking about, and I, and I love, I, I look at what you're doing, and I, I know that Pastor Charlie has already led you in this. We've got to reach our community. We've got to reach our culture. Please keep changing as God leads you to. We don't change the message, but we change the method. I'm not talking about disregarding or disrespecting the older generations because it is those old, that older generation that we stand on their shoulders to go to the next level. Are you with me? I think everybody under 40 ought to give everybody over 40 a, a hand clap of appreciation right now. Let me share an illustration with you. Did you know right now, have you ever heard of the radio station, The Wind FM? Have you ever heard of that before? Did you know that right now, the radio waves of The Wind FM are saturating this room? Let's listen for a second. Did anybody hear it? No, you didn't. Why? Because of the fact that you do not have a device that is tuned to the frequency of 88.3. Now, I want to show you how that our culture changes. I did that with a group of students, and they looked at me like a, like a mule looks at a new gate when I asked them what was their favorite radio station. Because they moved far beyond that. Here's what the problem is. Many churches are broadcasting the frequency, the gospel of Jesus Christ on a frequency that nobody in their community is tuned into. And they're not understanding why no one is hearing, why no one is receiving. Now some might say, are y'all still with me today? Good, all right, good, just checking. We use the methods which reach our audience without compromising the message. Well, some, well, now, hold on. You can't change. You just, you just, there's just no way you can change the method without changing the message. Well, let me show you an illustration. Let me go back a couple of years. Let's go back 2,000 years. How's that? Jesus, John chapter 3, has an encounter with Nicodemus. And what does he say to Nicodemus? Almost the first words out of his mouth are, you must be born again. Nicodemus was coming from a religious culture. He knew the word of the God. God. And so Jesus could immediately go to the reference point with him of spiritual things. Go one chapter over. Chapter four, he encounters the woman at the well. She walks up to him. He's sitting here. And what does he say? <clears throat> hey, lady. Would you give me a drink of water? She says, why are you a Jewish man asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? And he says, oh, if you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink and he would give you waters to drink of that you would never thirst again. Same message, different method. 
Same message, different method. God help us to be able to adapt to our culture, not in a way like a chameleon that we become like them, but we can relate in such a way that they will hear the gospel that we are speaking forth, the true word of Jesus Christ. You might say, you know, Pastor Don, you just, you've not been around. This is your first time here. Just understand that we, we don't have a problem with change here at Evangel Temple. To which I would answer, where are you sitting right now? Where did you sit last week? Where did you park last week? And where did you park today? Hello. None of us like change. Change isn't fun. But as we begin to say, God, what do you want to do through us to impact our community? Thirdly, we must be willing to go outside our four walls. You know this. You've got an amazing pastor that's been sharing the truth of the gospel with you. You see, the Old Testament, the, the main, the, the, the operative verb was come. The, Jew, the Jewish people, the Israelites were saying, come to the temple, come to us, and we will introduce you to God. Come to us. But when you get to the New Testament, the operative verb changes. It changes from come to go. Now we cannot expect and anticipate that they will just come to us, but that we must go to them. What a beautiful picture this church has been of that going out to your community. You're impacting your world. I I think of Embassy of Hope Church. I, I think of the way that you reach out to those around you in need. Don't stop that. For there to be outreach, there needs to be organized outreach of this church. But some of the greatest outreach you'll ever experience is not an organized outreach, but you reaching out to your neighbor and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with them. In order to impact our world, we have to be willing to go to them. You see, the greatest ministry of this church does not occur on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. The greatest ministry of this church occurs Monday through Saturday as you are at Walmart, as you are at your place of work, as you are serving as salt and light to your world. Amen. I want to close with this one last illustration. It's always encouraging when the pastor says the word close. I want to go to a beautiful story. In the Old Testament, actually in in Jesus' day, there were synagogues. It was different than the temple. There was only one temple, but there were a number of synagogues. There were a place that the word of God was read every week. They would gather together and the ruler of the synagogue would, would read from scripture. They were intaking the word and they would ask a rabbi to read. And it's been said, and some might dispute, but some have said that there was a chair that sat in the synagogue that was known as the messianic chair, the chair for the Messiah. It was a chair traditionally that represented that one day there would be a deliverer that come. There would be one day that the Messiah would come and he would sit in that chair, the one that we are looking for to to deliver us from Roman rule, to, to deliver us from sin, to set us free. And once then we will be raised up to the place that God has intended for us to be. And it always sat there as a reminder. Enter Jesus. 
Jesus is 30 years old. If I figure right, he's walked into the synagogue about a thousand times and kept his mouth shut. But today is going to be different. The ruler of the synagogue reads from the scripture and then he says, is there any rabbi that would like to read today? And Jesus says, I'll read. And, and the ruler of the synagogue just happened to grab the scroll of Isaiah. Do you think he happened to grab? Can you imagine eons before in time when Jesus and the father were talking, okay, you're gonna walk into the synagogue on that day, so we gotta set the reading schedule this way so he comes to Isaiah. So Jesus opens up the scripture and this is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the scripture says he sat down. And I got, and if you look at the scripture, it says all eyes were fastened on him. I guarantee you all eyes are fastened on him because they're thinking, who in the world do you think you are? And Jesus is saying in his heart, it's not who I think I am, it's who I know I am. Thank you for saving me my seat. <laughs> but in reality, what he said was this, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here, you've been looking for me, and I came. But I want you to notice something that you might have missed. Jesus didn't even read the whole sentence to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and he closed the book and he sat down. If you go to the passage in Isaiah, he didn't even finish the sentence because in Isaiah, this is what it goes on to say, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and day of vengeance of our God. Then you read it all. Flash forward with me, are you still with me? Bear with me for just a moment because this is very, very important. We jump forward now in time. We went back in time. Now we're going to flash forward. We don't know exactly when it's going to be. I don't believe it's very long from now. Revelation chapter 4, I believe, represents the rapture of the church when the trumpet sounds, when there is the call of that. I don't think it says trumpet there, but it says there's the call to John, come up hither. And he is experiencing what we're going to experience when God calls us out of this world into his very presence. You get to Revelation chapter 5, and it is this amazing worship service like we have never experienced before in our, all of our lives. All of the saints are gathered together, and we are worshiping God. And there's, a, there's an angel that comes in Revelation 5 to John. He says, John, John, we got a problem. Now, hopefully that didn't happen anytime this morning when you're getting ready, right? John, we got a problem. There's no one worthy to open the scroll. And John said, I began to weep. It was one of those times I think John began to weep and he didn't realize what he was weeping about. I don't, I don't understand. Then the angel says, oh, hold on, hold on, John. It's okay. There is one worthy to open the scroll. This is getting ready to be Jesus' grand entrance right here. Hello? And he says, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus walks into the room. And I'm gonna tell you what, all heaven erupts in praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The angel hands him the scroll. Jesus takes it. He breaks the seal. And I believe I know what he's going to say next. And day of vengeance of our God. 
He's going to finish the sentence that he started 2,000 years ago today, or 2,000 years ago. So what in the world has that got to do with us? Here is the deal. We are currently living in the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus hasn't popped the scroll back open yet. He's not gathered us away. So here is our message. Yes, should we preach on hell, but here is our message to this community around you. Here is the community message to this town. Here is the message to this world. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. There is a God who loves you. There is a God that wants to set you free. There is a God that wants to give you life. We have life in us and we want to offer that life to you. So you're no longer hopeless, but full of hope. May we never miss an opportunity. May we look for ways to say, God, how can we impact our community for Christ? We're here, we've come today to honor Pastor Charlie and Lil and Tell you the greatest honor they can ever experience is for the years to come, for you to continue right on impacting your world, for never becoming settled, for never settling for status quo, but saying we're going to do our very best to reach our world. Why? Because if they don't know Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell without him. And that is unacceptable. Thank you, church, for making a difference in Springfield. Thank you, church, for making a difference in your world. We celebrate today. And then tomorrow we go right back in to kingdom business. Two things that I want us to do. I want you to stand, if you would. In just a moment, I'm gonna close and someone's gonna come up and tell you how we're going to do the meals and so on. And I wanna apologize, when I came up a while ago, one of, the, one of the last things I was supposed to do in my first appearance on the platform was to pray over Pastor Charlie and Lil. So here's what I'm going to do. The very first part of my prayer today is going to be over this very special couple who have given the prime of their life to pour into you and to love you. And then after we together pray blessing and favor upon them, we're going to take a moment to intercede for our world and say, God, help us to impact our world in the midst of a culture that is so messed up. May we be children of light May we be salt and light to our world. Can you say amen to that? Father God, right now we thank you for the arsenals. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifices that they've made. And I know that they would probably shake their head and say, it's really not a sacrifice, it's, it's our life. But Lord, they have given so much of themselves. And I pray that in the years to come, your continued favor and blessings will rest upon them, that they will feel the love of this congregation in a greater way than they have ever, ever experienced before. That your hand of favor and blessing will not only be upon Charlie and Lil, but 
upon their, their generations after them, Lord, their children and their grandchildren. May there be favor upon them. May, may they reap the benefit of the life that they have lived totally sold out to Jesus Christ. We thank you for this special couple. And would you, in closing, just intercede with me right now. Father God, we have entered into a time and a season in our world that is unprecedented. Evil seems to be abounding in many ways. It seems very unpopular sometimes, Lord, to be a believer. But you didn't call us to be among the popular. You called us, Lord, to be those that are sold out for Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, we're not going to talk about, oh, it's terrible, we're suffering. We have the greatest life possible because we have Jesus Christ within us and he has transformed us. He has lifted us out of the pit of sin. And now he has given us the glorious opportunity of sharing with the world around us that they no longer have to walk in hopelessness, but they can walk in hope because the king of hope has come and is coming again. Bless this congregation. Thank you for the way that you've used them down through the years, but you're far from done, God. You have work for them to do. You have things for them to accomplish. You have lives for them to touch. So use them mightily as they are people of the word, people of the spirit, people of out, out, outreach, and people, Lord, that will allow you to speak into their heart and how they can best reach their culture and their community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today.